Welcome to Charleston Church Down East Weekly Podcast. For more information about us, visit charlestonchurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Now, for those of you who don't know what today is, hopefully you all know it's Sunday. You got that far, I hope. Of course, I just told everybody they didn't have to go to heaven, so I haven't got much room if you don't know what day it is. But just one more time, you do have to go to heaven. Let me let me get that clear. That was not one of my not one of my prouder moments. Anyway, today is Pentecost Sunday, and growing up, I heard that in church. I didn't have a sweet clue what that meant. I just knew it was a Sunday that happened once a year, and so I'm going to talk to you for a few moments about the importance of Pentecost and what it is and what it's not because anyone who's been in church or around church, there can be some pretty wild, twisted ideas of what Pentecost means. It's not a holy roller. It's not a Bible thumper. It's not swinging from the chandeliers. It's not a denomination. It's none of those things. It's an experiment. It experience. It's an experience and it's a... a empowerment to us in the church. So we're going to get into that in a moment. But I want you to, I'm going to read something to you. This isn't in my, in my message this morning, but the Lord spoke this to me this morning, and I'm just going to read it. Ezekiel 37, there's some people in here I know this morning that you've got some dry spots in your life. You need some life to come into those dry spots. And I just want to take a moment, and I want to read this to you. I'm going to pray before I do that, but I want you to listen to what it says. And I want you to set aside every distraction. In fact, let's pray now. God, I thank you that we get, we have the privilege, the God-given right to sit here in church this morning and worship freely. God, I thank you that you have protected our freedom. God, I thank you that as we stand, you continue to stand for us, God. I pray this morning that by your word, you would go deep and penetrate every one of our hearts this morning, God. I pray in the name of Jesus, every distraction be set aside this morning. Everything that would set out to hinder, to distract, to interrupt, I command it to be silenced and go from this place right now in Jesus' mighty name. I bind every foul attack of the enemy to hinder the work of the Lord this morning. I speak to every foul religious spirit, every spirit of fear. I command you, be bound. Go back to hell where you came from this morning. You're not welcome here. Holy Spirit, we give you permission. We give you our will, our plans, flow, row by row, seat by seat, heart by heart this morning. God, I pray this place be charged with the Holy Ghost frequency this morning, God. A fire that burns hot and cannot be extinguished, I pray, in every one of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 You know what, I'm going to get into Ezekiel chapter 37 in a few minutes. I want to... I'll come back to that. I'm just going to be obedient to what the Lord wants me to do right now. The importance of Pentecost. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2. 
Acts chapter 2. Y'all okay this morning? You're wicked quiet this morning. Listening, sleeping, scrolling. I hope you're not scrolling. Acts chapter 2. Now, as I said a moment ago, I want to talk to you about the experience of Pentecost. That's what it literally is. It's an experience. It's an encounter. It's an empowerment for us in everyday life. I don't just want you to understand it, but I want you to have an experience with the Holy Spirit this morning. It's not just church lingo. There's power behind it. It's the foundation of the vi- for our victory in the church. Today is essentially the birthday or the celebration of the birth of the church. The other side of this is that we, have, we as a church have a responsibility to live out Pentecost so that outsiders looking in have a clear picture of what the Holy Spirit really is. Not what, what uh, denominations or, or weird things that have happened in church history. Not that. A clear picture of what the Holy Spirit is and what it does in our lives. When we understand what it is, you see, we can't experience something that A, we don't understand, and B, we're not seeking. So I want to encourage you this morning as we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit and its power, not only try to get an understanding, but ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit this morning. It's not a scary or weird thing. I want to ask you this. How many of you would say that you believe in miracles this morning? Like, really believe, like, not a you know, Christmas miracle, miracle on 34th Street. I'm not talking about that kind of thing. I'm talking about real miracles. Like, like bodies getting up off of sick beds. Like, supernatural healing taking place. Financial miracles where there was no way and God supernaturally provided where people were bound by drugs and alcohol and addiction and God set them free. Those are supernatural workings of the Holy Spirit is what that is. And when you remove Pentecost, when you hear that word, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking of denomination. You're thinking, you know, maybe long skirts, long hair, no makeup. That's not what I'm talking about today. That's man's, that's the things that man said Pentecost was. But that's not what Pentecost is. Pentecost is the empowerment for victory, increase, and miracles in every area of our life. So I want, I want to help you push aside what you think Pentecost is. It's not some weird, freaky thing. It's not rules, regulations, stipulations, and a laundry list of things you've got to do and be before you can come into church. No, that's religion. And if you don't know me yet, I hate religion. Maybe you've never heard a pastor say that before. But I hate religion. I like relationship. I like knowing that Jesus is my Savior. He's my Father. He's my provider. He's my healer. He's not the one that looks to see how long my hair is, how much makeup I have on, what I'm wearing on for clothes when I walk into church. That's not God. That's man. But God says, I look at your heart. I want a relationship with you. And once I have that relationship, I want to fill you with my Holy Spirit, which is the empowerment to win in every area of your life. That's what God wants for us. 
So kick that, that thought process of what Pentecost is to the side this morning and don't ever pick it back up again. Set aside your preconceived ideas. In fact, not only is it not that, we don't allow that here. I don't allow that here. If God doesn't allow it, then who am I to allow it? We don't look at people, what they're wearing. I need to, I'm just feeling that the Lord wants me to stick here for a moment because that's been ingrained in some of our spirits. It doesn't matter how long your skirt is or your dress. If it's knees or ankles, that doesn't matter. God doesn't care. It doesn't matter how much makeup you have on or if you have any on at all. It doesn't matter if your hair is long or shorter, if you get a beard or not, or how long your sideburns are. All the weird things that denominationalism has, has pushed people away from church thinking that's what it is. Because some insecure pastor, some insecure denominational leader get up and said, this is what you need to do to belong here. You know what? I don't want, if that's normal, you can have it. Put up with that foolishness around here. We love everybody the way they walk through the door. Love reigns supreme here. We don't put up with that. Not only do we not do it, we deal with it if we see someone else doing it here. I think I feel it breaking loose this morning. I feel like that's lifting off of some people's minds this morning. Religion will cripple and kill everything God's doing in your life. You want to see a dead church? Find a religious one. In fact, some of them shouldn't even have Pentecost written on the front of their building. It's an embarrassment to the move of God. I'm just going to shoot from the hip this morning if you haven't picked up on it. In all seriousness, we make a mockery of what God instituted in the beginning of the church in the book of Acts by putting it on the front of the buildings and acting like that foolishness when we inside the doors. Who do churches and denominations and, and religious groups think we are to say who belongs and who doesn't? Who deserves love and who doesn't when they walk through a church based on what they look like or what they're doing? I have no patience for that if you haven't picked up on it. Because it will keep you stuck and bound. It'll keep you frustrated. Because you're always trying to meet a standard that man set. There's one standard to live by. Jesus is your Lord. Love him with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor with everything that's in you. Love is the standard. I'm going to say it again. Love is a standard. So I think I can move on from this. When I talk about Pentecost the rest of the morning, this is what we're talking about, the standard of love, not the standard of religion. It's not a name or identity of a denomination or an organization. It's not any of those things. It is simply the power of God manifests on the inside of his people, changing circumstances and atmospheres when, wherever a spirit-filled believer goes. Now, there are some people, does, if, you don't, if you're not filled with the, with, now in the book of Acts, the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit was speaking in tongues. We believe that. Now, I'm not saying if you're not 
filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you're going to hell. You're not a Christian or God loves you less. None of that is true. That's also religion and denominationalism. You're welcome here. If you never speak in tongues, you're welcome here. If you only speak in tongues, it doesn't matter. You're welcome here if some people force you to speak in tongues more often. Just to keep your sanity and your holiness. What I'm saying is here, it's not a necessity for heaven, but it is the empowerment of us as believers. I wouldn't want to live without the Holy Spirit. It's my guide. It's my teacher. It's my empowerment. I can't tell you the amount of times that because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of me that when I don't know what to pray, I just pray in the Spirit because the Bible says that when we pray in the Spirit, we utter things we can't even understand when we don't know what to pray. God and His Spirit pray through us. Perfect prayers when we don't know what else to say. I've had my back against the wall. When I was driving my wife to the hospital back, whatever it was, many years ago, 10, 11 years ago, and she was delivering our baby in the van that was a third of the way through the pregnancy, I didn't know what to say or pray. I knew I was losing my baby. That wasn't God's will. So I began to pray in the spirit because I didn't know what else to do. And a peace come over me in the midst of the most trying circumstance, in the midst of death and hurt and confusion, uh, a peace, not that the world gives, but a peace that only the spirit of God can give you. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where someone close to you passed away and someone says, how are you so peaceful? How are you at peace? Because the Bible says that when we have the Spirit of God, it's a peace that passes all understanding. What does that mean? It means when your mind can't comprehend anymore, we got to get past our intellect and let our spirit take over. The Holy Spirit is a source of peace and strength and power to us as believers. Let's go ahead and read Acts chapter 2 now. Now don't fall asleep. This is powerful. I'm going to read a few verses. So, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Or one translation says, like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. As the Spirit gave them this ability. When they heard the noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered. Let's jump down to... Verse 14, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you have assumed. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Obviously, no one's ever been to Maine that wrote this. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Now you're awake. I know you're awake now. <laughs> you were listening. Look at that. Verse 16. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. 
He said, in these last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. Well, there goes the argument that women have no place in the church or in ministry. Another twisted theology of religion. And they shall prophesy, and I will cause wonders in the heavens above, and signs, listen to this, and signs on the earth below. Anybody in here ready for some supernatural signs in here this morning? Verse 20, the sun will become dark, the moon will turn red, will turn blood red before that great and glorious day the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be saved. So we've talked about what Pentecost is not. I think we've got that clear this morning. I'm not going to spend any more time on that. But let's talk about what it is. Though it happened on this specific date, which is um, basically, it was essentially 50 days after um, the crucifixion and resurrection, but it's not bound to a date. It's an experience. It is the birthplace of the church. The church as we know it, this is where it happened. They were in the upper room. They were, they were, they were tarrying, the Bible says. They were waiting. First of all, something I want you to notice, they were in one accord, meaning they were in unity. One place, one heart, one mind. Not gossiping, not backbiting, not, not fighting, not, well, she dresses like that, well, he believes that, and he's too loud in church, and she sat in my seat. No, one place, one mind, one heart. They are in unity, in one accord. If you want the Holy Spirit to move powerfully in your life, stay in unity. You want supernatural works to happen, miracles to take place, the, the back of addiction to be broken, and poverty to be broken, and sickness to be broken. You want supernatural signs like that talked about, like they saw? The first key is stay in unity. Stay in unity. When they were gathered in that upper room, they weren't concerned about who sat where. They weren't concerned about what color their neighbor's sandals were or his robe. It says they tarried, they waited, and they were in one accord. They were in unity. You get out of unity, you'll get in frustration. You know why? Because we, we believe, say we believe for miracles, we believe for the supernatural, we believe for a move of the Spirit, but yet we can't get along with half the people around us. If we're out of unity, we disqualify ourselves for the working of the supernatural in our life. That's right. Now, God's not beating you up. He's not punishing you. He's not beating you down. But the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, can only move where there's no lack of love. It doesn't mean you love everything everybody does. It doesn't mean you like everybody to the point where you're going to have supper with them three times a week. But it means if we can't get along, then let's be quiet. If we can't get along, let's be quiet. If we're going to open our mouth and utter someone else's name, let it be a prayer 
not a curse. Unity will unlock the supernatural activity and working of the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't like everything everyone does and says around me either. And I'm not perfect. Sometimes I slip too. But what I'm saying is, I'm training myself. I encourage you to train yourself because I want to see the supernatural work in our life, because I want to see it work in your lives and this family. I'm learning that we need to stay and at all costs we need to fight to protect peace and unity in our own families and in our church family. Will you be a source of peace and unity in this body? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the cause of things being hindered from moving in our church. It was the birthplace of the church. We're going to read a few scriptures here later that when this was happening, Peter began to preach, disciples began to speak to people, and 3,000 people were added to the church in that one movement. That was the birthplace of the church, of evangelism. And let me say to you today, what birthed the church, what got this thing launched, is what will sustain it moving forward. The working of the Holy Spirit, miracles, signs, and wonders did not die out with Jesus and his disciples. That's a lie from hell. You say, how can you, how can you say that? I believe that. Two reasons. Number one, this book says it. Number two, I've seen too much in my life that backs up what that says to believe anything different. I was born with kidney failure. Complete kidney They were working in reverse, poisoning my body. The doctors gave, told my mom I had weeks to live if things didn't change. I had wires in my head, tubes everywhere. I was sent to the IWK Children's Hospital in Nova Scotia, which is the best hospital in the country for children. I spent my first birthday there in and out constantly. But one day, a man of God who believed in the working of the Holy Spirit believed that signs and miracles and wonders didn't die out with the disciples. Walked in a room, and if you knew this man, he, wasn't, he was nothing like me. He was very calm, very like proper, you know, just very, not me. And he walked in that room. And obviously I don't remember, but my mom said, he laid his hand on my head and said, God, we believe in the miracle working power of the blood of Jesus. We believe in the moving of your spirit that miracles are still for us today. Heal this boy from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And he said amen and walked out. Within a matter of hours, every tube, every wire was unhooked. The doctor said, I don't know what happened, but that boy's got brand new kidneys on the inside of him. Thank God that that man believed that the Holy Spirit, the working of miracles, the empowerment of the church through the Holy Spirit didn't die out with with Jesus and the disciples. It is the empowerment to change circumstances and situations. It was the birthplace of the church. It was the reward for the disciples, for their obedience, for tarrying in unity. 
But more than all that, it's the divine empowerment. A divine exchange of power from God to man. Man no longer has to have Jesus physically in the room or a priest physically in the room to access the presence and power of the Holy Ghost. It was a, a, a bridge. You see, the disciples were saying, Jesus, Jesus died, rose again, and then the disciples had another encounter with him after he rose again before he ascended to heaven. And they said, please, Jesus, don't go. Why are you leaving? And he said, it's better for you if I go because if I go, I can send another. That other was the Holy Spirit. He said, if I go, if I ascend to the right hand of my Father, I can send another, the Comforter, to help you. I can send my Holy Spirit to empower you. Jesus said it was better that we have the Holy Spirit than him walking on the earth with us. Because we don't have to be in the physical room with a manifest body of Jesus. No, we can just cry out and say, Father God, I thank you that you've empowered me and filled me with your Holy Spirit. I speak to this situation. I say, mountain, move in the name of Jesus. I say, sick body, be healed in the name of Jesus. I say, financial situation, turn table right now in the name of Jesus. I say, addiction, be broken. And we can lay hands on the sick. We can lay hands on the addicted. And the, and the broken and watch them recover and be healed and set free. Why? Because that's the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. Jesus ascended so another could come and empower us to prosper and have victory every day of our life. So do you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you need to speak in tongues to go to heaven? No, you don't, but I'll tell you what, it sure helps while you're here on this earth. I'm so grateful for the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. It was a divine transfer of power. It's no longer an occasional visitation like it was in the Old Testament. It's an in, a divine infilling to the present life of every single one of us. It's a permanent indwelling in our hearts. That scripture I was referencing is John 16, 5 through 7. He said, it's better for you if I go, because if I go, I'll send the Holy Spirit. So it's a divine empowerment. It's a divine transfer of power. It's a supernatural empowerment. It empowers us not just to, to, to get along in our own life, but I don't know about you, but I want to be used for ministry. Ministry doesn't mean that you have an office and a pulpit. It doesn't mean that you have a title in front of your name. God gave us what's called the Great Commission, and that was for every believer ever to draw breath. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. Go into all the world and make disciples. There's a ministry for you to do. There's a ministry for you to do. And the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you, you will be much more effective when you embrace the working of the Spirit in your life. You see, without the Holy Spirit, without this experience of Pentecost, the birthplace of the church, the empowerment of the believer, without all that, we're just a religious gathering. No power. No, I'm going to say it. Why not? I could point you to a hundred churches that don't believe what I'm telling you, 
that were open February of 2020, but are closed right now. Never open again. Got quiet in here. Where there's no spirit, there's no power. Where there's no power, there's no authority. Where there's no authority, there's no freedom. Are you hearing me this morning? You want freedom? Trace it back. You want power in the church? Trace it back. You want growth in the church? Trace it back to a moving of the spirit regardless of what CNN or the government has to say. I'm not here to get political this morning. I'm here to talk about the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm not against any church or any denomination. I want everyone who preaches Jesus to have everything he wants for them and to be successful. I would help any pastor, any church, any time if they asked. But what I'm saying is, it's time that we stop worrying if we might have someone cry over their hangnail and stand up for the move of God in America. I don't know about you, but if it's up to me, it's going to start in Sullivan, Maine. I want to be a part of what God is doing. You don't have to believe everything I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not trying to twist your arm. That's up to you. But I want you to know it's real. I want you to know that God loves you, that he's not judging you. I want you to know that you don't have to live defeated your whole life. We're not where we're at because of me or Carrie. We're here because of God. Because we did one thing, we just obeyed. That's it. Every step of the way over the last 14 months, whatever God told us to do, we just went ahead and did it. And I'm so grateful that because we were obedient, God has been faithful to our church. Anyone can talk about power. But it's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that dictates where authority lies. Power can be shifted by man, but only authority is given by God. And the Holy Spirit is the authority to step into every situation from hell, speak life with that authority, and watch the Holy Spirit just begin to change things, just begin to turn things around. It's a supernatural empowerment. It empowers us to do the work of the ministry. You say, what does the Holy Spirit do? I'm not, a, I'm not a minister. I'm not a preacher. How does that affect me? My word, it is hot in here. I didn't know. We're walking into Mogladish this morning. Sorry. How does that affect me? How does it affect my ministry? It can, it can look different, but I want to help you this morning. You can be that coworker, that person that you, that's around your workplace or wherever that you just, you've always kind of tried to share the gospel with them, but they don't seem to be interested. They don't seem to get it. They just, or other people have shared maybe the gospel with them. They just have fought it off. But you'll walk in one day and you'll hear this still small voice 
say something like, ask him how his grandchildren are. And as you ask him, he'll begin to pour out how they're, they're, maybe they're sick or they, they've been diagnosed or this or that or whatever. And you can look at them and you can say, hey, hey can I pray? I, I believe God can heal that situation. And because you touch that place in their heart, God will open the door for, for the gospel to reach them. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's not, it doesn't have to be a shouting, hollering, running around. It can be that, but it doesn't have to be that. It's simply the voice and power of God leading us, leading our spirit so that when we're in a situation that we can make a difference in, he can speak to us. And if we're obedient, he'll change and move things. Amen? Y'all okay? The fourth thing it is, I want to mention to you, it's a move of true repentance. Conviction fell on all who were exposed to the power of Pentecost in the book of Acts. It says, and many were added to the kingdom. Let's let's read that scripture. Let's start at verse, uh, let me see here, 37. So Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? They're saying, how can we be saved? What can we do to have what you have? That's what another thing the Holy Spirit does. It puts something on us that people look at you and say, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something different about you. I don't know how you got from where you used to be to where you are now. There's something different about you. You see, right here in the book of Acts, in verse 37, they said, we see something different. How do we get what you've got? How do we get the freedom you've got? How do we get the peace that you have? How do we get the increase that you have? The Holy Spirit puts something on you that even unbelievers will notice. You see, if we're just as sick, just as broke, just as busted, just as depressed, as our as our neighbors or friends who are not saved, not filled with the Holy Spirit, then what attraction is it to them? The Bible says, be not deceived. God's not mocked. We kind of give people permission to mock us and mock God. If we live a life of defeat, more defeated than they are, and they don't spend hours in church, they don't tithe, they don't do any of those things, and they have just as much victory as we do. So why would they? No, the Holy Spirit's the difference maker. That's what switches it. From a mediocre existence, a mediocre life, to a life full of victory and power and freedom. The Holy Spirit makes the difference. What should we do to be saved? Peter replied, each of you must repent from your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, listen to this, to your children and to those far off, all who have been called by the name of the Lord. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, which you're probably thinking I'm doing, but I'm almost done. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners 
Save yourself from this crooked generation. And those who believe what Peter said were baptized in the Holy Spirit and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. It is a move of true repentance. How do we continue that legacy? How does the church align itself to see a move of God like what we saw in Scripture? It's God's will for us to see people healed. It's God's will for us to see people get off their sickbed. It's God's will for us as a church and of a people to see generations of alcoholism stopped by the power of God with you. Generations of drug addiction stopped with you. Generations of poverty and lack and never having enough stops with you. Why? Because when you get the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, it's a supernatural empowerment. God wants to continue that legacy of the church today. Acts, this portion we just read, is a guide map for the modern day church. Two things I'm going to let you go. Number one, I said it already. The guide map, the first thing, they were in one accord. Unity is a divine setup for God to move. It's needed more now than ever in our world. All you have to do is watch the news and see we need some unity and some love in our, in our nation right now. Not you're right and I'm wrong. Not, not you believe this political affiliation, I believe this. Not... not not racial, not, not based on any of that, not based on you're conservative, I'm liberal, not based on you watch this news network and I watch this one so I'm better than you or worse. No, none of that junk. We all have our opinions, that's fine. No, what I'm saying is it doesn't mean we have to agree on all those little things because we don't. But let's not major on the minors as the saying goes. Let's be unified. Maybe Shane doesn't like all the things I do, all the people I do, all the politics I do, all the news I do. But when we get together, when I think of Shane, I'm going to pray for him. He's going to pray for me. When I see him, I'm going to shake his hand. I'm going to hug him. I'm going to tell him that I love him and I'm praying for him. When I see him in need, I'm going to reach out and say, Shane, how can I help you? Let me pray for you. That's what unity is. That's when God says, now there's something I can move on. If we can't get along on all those silly little things, then just don't talk about them. Put them aside and realize this is a brother. This is a sister in the Lord. You see, when God commanded us to forgive and to love our neighbor, he didn't say, but only if you watch the same news network. We all have a preference. That's fine. I have my thoughts. You have yours. No, he said, unconditionally, forgive because you've been forgiven. He said, love because in spite of you, I loved you. He said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I anointed you, I appointed you, I called you, I gave you a hope and a future. But just like he did it for me, he did it for Shane. So who am I, who am I to cut off unity and forgiveness and love with Shane just because my personal opinion isn't the same as his. It's not part of the equation. Now, it doesn't mean you have to have tea with everybody you don't agree with, but it does mean 
back to kindergarten, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. The golden rule, do unto others as you have them do unto you. If you can't love on them, if you can't pray for them, and sometimes you're at a point in your heart where they just frustrate you so stinking bad, you can't feel you, I, I, no, I can't do them today. No, okay, then don't, but pray for them. And if you can't pray for them, maybe we should pray for us, that we get our heart right so we don't feel like we're going to punch something if we hear their name mentioned. I'm, I'm getting right down to the real deal today. Our personal opinion. I talked about this Wednesday, but I feel like I need to do it one more time today. I'll just obey the Lord. Our personal opinion. Our, well, you don't know what they said to me. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they act. No, that's not in the equation for forgiveness and love. Doesn't make what they did right. But we have a responsibility. And maybe you can, maybe you haven't really forgiven, but let it come out of your mouth until you do. God, this is very hard for me, but I want to forgive them. Help me to forgive them. And eventually, when you begin to let it come out of your mouth, when you begin to speak, when you begin to seek the heart of God on the situation, it'll drop from something here that you just say because it's the right thing to an issue in your heart where you look at them and say, I talked about this Wednesday night. He's hurting, and that's why he acted like that. God's perspective, you know what? I might preach Wednesday night all over again. I'm just doing what the Holy Spirit said. God's perspective is, if he offended me, on the flesh level, man to man, we just want to fight and argue and maybe throw down a little bit. But if we can say, God, let me see your perspective on what's really going on. Hurt people hurt people. Broken people break other people. So if, if you say, God, give me your, help me to see that person like you see them. Because I see them as an idiot right now. Don't pretend like you've never said that. God's perspective is, I, he'll show you what's behind the hurt. That they had a mom or a dad or an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent or a pastor or someone who cut them down, pushed them off the shelf, and they broke into pieces, and they're still trying to pick them back up. That's why they hurt you. That's why they said that thing. That's why they lied about you. That's why they gossiped about you. That's why they falsely accused you. Not everyone's wicked. Sometimes we're just weak and we need help. The Bible says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. But the Holy Spirit that we're talking about, that will help you get past the emotion of anger and hurt to the heart of God, which is forgiveness and love, regardless of what they've done. They don't even have to be sorry. You can still forgive them. In fact, we're instructed to. First thing, the guide map says one accord in unity. It's a divine recipe for the supernatural. We, the church, we were born for this time. If ever the church had a place to shine, it's 2021. Where everyone else looks for everything they can to divide us, we look for everything we can to come alongside and love our brother. 
Doesn't mean you have to agree with them. Doesn't mean we don't stand for what's right. But it does mean that we don't treat our brothers and sisters we don't agree with as an enemy. One accord, unity. We were born for this. The Bible says that God knew dark days would come, and that's the exact reason that he said, I'll pour out my spirit in the last days. I don't know if you know this, but what's happening in the world did not catch God by surprise. He didn't orchestrate it, he didn't do it, but it wasn't a shock to him. Nor is he panicking right now thinking, how am I going to fix this mess? Now, do you, do, you know, do you know what his solution is to this mess? I put a church in Sullivan, Maine. That's my answer for what's going on in the Down East region. I put a church in Charleston, Maine. That's what's going on in that region. That's the answer to it. He sent his son, but then his son ascended and gave the Holy Spirit to the church to be the last day light when things got dark. Everywhere we go, we, may, should, we, we should see the dark places and we should be found shining the light of the glory of God in every dark corner of this region. We were born for this. The church was born for this. Pentecost was for this reason. A longer skirt and longer hair is not going to get anybody saved. Or shorter, for that matter. But a moving of the Holy Spirit, touching the dark places, the broken places, with the truth of the gospel and the love of Christ will change everything it encounters. You were born for this. The church of America must roar again. I'm going to say that again. The church of America must roar again. The enemy sought to muzzle the church in the last 14 months and failed miserably. Failed miserably. Everything the church was called to do is what we were told we couldn't do. You're told, forsake not the gathering of the brethren. We were told not to do that. We were told, lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. We were told, don't get close, don't touch the people. We're told, speak life and truth and prophesy. We were told not to, not to get in close contact to speak. And I understand the other side of it. I, I'm not here to fight over that. But what I'm saying is, The church in America must roar again. We must stand for truth and righteousness. We must love and forgive when others are hating and holding grudges. And let me help you with something. Not everyone's going to love you because you're a Christian. I know it's revelation to some of us. For a long time I thought, why? I go to church. Why doesn't everybody like me? That's why everybody doesn't like me. But I've counted the cost, and I've realized that what it might cost, or I think it might cost to me, pales in comparison to what God will do if I stand for truth and for righteousness. First thing they did was they were in unity. Second thing they did, they tarried in God's presence. They waited for the wind. They waited for the wind. 
We must remain stirred up as we wait on the wind of God to move. We have two jobs, stay unified and stay in his presence at every turn. Go ahead and stand with me if you would this morning. Somebody could come back. I don't know who it is today or give me a little help. Thank you, Danny. Two jobs is what it boils down to. First of all, we need to make up our mind that the Holy Spirit is important. I want to encourage you, you don't have to have it, but make up your mind that you don't want to live without everything God has for you. You can go to heaven without the Holy Spirit living and dwelling and speaking through your life. Yes, you can. But it's an empowerment to take a whole lot more people with us if we have it. It'll give you wisdom when your back's against the wall. It'll give you the right thing to say to reach that person that nobody else could reach. It'll say, don't buy that, don't go there, don't spend time with that person, don't sign that contract, don't do that thing. Because what we can't see, that's what we have to get past. It's not about our intellect. We'll get stuck if we try to stay with our intellect. The Spirit of God is, is not confined to time. He's not confined to a finite mind like we have. He's eternal. He's almighty. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And He will show us things and guide us around some things and protect us from things that we could never see coming. your guide it's a source of wisdom and strength but as we read this morning all of that is hopeless if he's not if Jesus isn't the Lord and Savior of our life so if there's anyone here this morning I want you to search your heart right now if you don't know where you'll spend eternity, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you just think, I'm a good person, that's going to get me to heaven, that'll make everything all right. You can leave here today knowing that you're right with God. The Bible says every single one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. What does that mean? That means we're born into a fallen world. We're born a sinner. But all we have to do to reverse that is make Jesus the Lord and Savior of our life. To say, I'm done doing my own thing. God, forgive me of my failures and my faults. I turn my life to you. You're running the show from now on. I give you my life. I ask for your forgiveness. And in that one moment, the Bible says, every sin you've ever committed, every wrong thing you've ever done is a weight from your record. The Bible says that God can't even remember it anymore when you ask for forgiveness. It literally is impossible for him to even remember it. It's more than just a change of eternal address. Making a decision for Jesus is more than just responding to an emotional moment in a service. 
It's a lifelong commitment to say, no, it's not just because I'm feeling the emotions of the moment. I choose to give Jesus my life. I choose to trust him with my future more than I trust him myself with my future. I choose to live God's good plan for my life. If that's you this morning, in person, here in service, or online, if you've never made that commitment to Jesus, or you say, it's been a long time, I've run from God, I don't even know if I was ever right with God, but I know I'm not now. Whatever the case is, if that's you, I want you to go ahead and slip your hand up. I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, I want to pray with you. If that's you, it's not joining a church, it's not joining a denomination, it's just saying, God, I give you my life. Take the old, give me the new. I'm going to give about 15 more seconds. If that's you, go ahead and raise your hand this morning. If that's you online, just type in, that's me in the comments. say this, if you walk out of here and you get convicted on the way home thinking, I should have done that, I want Jesus, you can do it on the way home too. Church is not the only place you can receive Jesus, but it's a good place to do it. All right, one more thing. If you say, I want the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in my life, say, I want everything God has for me. I want to be filled with his spirit. Doesn't mean you have to, it's not, I, I, I feel my spirit, some of you are still stuck on, though that's that weird stuff I've heard about. It's only weird if you make it weird, because I'm not going to make it weird. God's not going to make it weird. Just let it go and let God do what he wants to do. And if you don't want it, that's fine too. But for those of you who want to receive everything God has for you, you want to be filled. Maybe you've never been filled with the Spirit. Maybe you have and you want a fresh infilling this morning, a fresh fire to burn in you. If that's you, I want you to come forward this morning in line just in the semicircle, right from this door across the front, however much room we need that's you and you want to receive the Holy Spirit for the first time or a fresh feeling. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to make it weird. All I'm going to do is pray for you. If there's anybody else, now's the time to receive it. You don't have to beg and plead. It's not some weird negotiation. I'm going to give a few more seconds and I'm going to pray for people. If you're afraid to come up, you can just pray right where you're at and say, God, fill me with your spirit. Give me the divine empowerment that Pastor Joel was talking about this morning. Fill me with your spirit.
Thank you for listening. If you want to connect with us, don't hesitate to visit us in person at our Down East location in Sullivan, Maine. You can also find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Have the best week you've ever had.